Hello, everybody, and thanks for listening to our Weird Science Marvel Comics podcast. Before we get into this week's show, let me ask you to go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can help us out for everything we do, but you also get a ton of exclusive podcasts as well. Every level, you get more and more podcasts, and one of the big shows we're going to start this week is our Marvel Patreon-only spotlight. So two books each week of the books that come out from Marvel will be exclusive to the Patreon on a Patreon-only spotlight show. And this week, it's Doctor Strange number 10 and The Incredible Hulk number 7. So if you want to listen to me and Matt this week talk about those, you just go over to our Patreon, sign up, and bing, bong, boom, you can listen to that. And if you are new to all of this, you can actually go over to the Patreon right now and get a seven-day free trial where you can listen to that spotlight plus a lot of shows as well. So please check it out. If it's not for you, that's fine, but please just give it a try. It's patreon.com slash weird science, and there'll be a link in the show notes of this here podcast. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 15. That's Legacy 515. I'm here with my man, Matt. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? What up? And we're going to start off, as we always do right now with Gang War. We have a bunch of Spider-Man books, some superior than others, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) This whole play, we end up having three Spider-Man books that me and you are going to start with. We have some other books, obviously, going after those but these big books i don't know why they came out the same week especially superior spider-man and spider-boy they're kind of that same deal you might want to you know layer those a little different tier those a little different but i guess with all the books coming out they have to come out sometime but everybody listening if you would like to get a hold of us you can go over to our twitter at weird science dc follow us we'll follow you back then you can go over to our website and see reviews by sus gabe Gabe does those reviews over at WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com. And then you can also check out our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics. And then finally, if you want to help us out for all that we do and get a ton of shows as well, exclusive shows, you can go over to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science. All of those links will be in the show notes here. But that means we'll get into this and we're going to start with the big issue of the week, Gang where I I I know they can't end up calling it Amazing Spider-Man Gang War. I kind of wish they did, kind of, just so that people would know. It's the weird play. Like, I had people this past week still confused if Miles was a tie-in to the deal. And I said to you, it's a tie-in, but it it also to me feels like the big book. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man is the big book. But I think the next biggest is Miles. And then you get the tie-ins. And I think that they're not really giving you, yeah, you have gang war on the cover, but I don't know why. It just doesn't have the oomph. And this is a story that's going to be going on till March. That's crazy. That That's actually insane. And it makes me think of the old Star Wars stuff that me and you used to yeah. do where you didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. The good thing about this is it is just these tie-ins in the Spider-Man books. So you have your other books as well. When we were just doing the Star Wars stuff, it was like, oh, my God. It's almost over, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. is. It's over. funny that we started doing this back up again because of the whole droids deal. But 
here we are. And we came and over it's here. Not and that we, good. No, yeah. no, I've checked <laughs> in and out of it, but mortally checked out because what? it hasn't been great. It really hasn't. And uh, well, speaking of covers, though, just before you go, what what are what are we looking at here on this thing? I, I'm I'm staring at this cover as you're talking, and I don't know what I'm looking at. You know any idea? We have Spider Man. Yep. We have Tombstone. Yep. And then we may have a Transformer. Possibly, a, I don't know. It what feels like it's it? some sort of bunch of guns me- mechanism turning into oh. a gun, and maybe somebody's thinking like, "Oh, that's this villain, or that's that." But it does feel weird. It looks very space agey, but then it also yeah. looks like part of the city shooting at. I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not very good. It's no. not very good at all. And I don't even like the webbing there that that Peter is holding on to because where he's holding it. He's too far up because they have, I'm telling you, they had to jam him up there. You can't really swing like that. It's very odd. And there's Tombstone. But you have this big play going into this where Tombstone has teamed up. He ended up where he came in the last issue and said to Spidey, we're going to team up, you know, and let's take care of this. I do like some of this issue. I'll tell you, it's it's not the greatest. And there's some weird plays. But I like the Tombstone stuff. But mm-hmm. just as we go, The Amazing Spider-Man number 40 is what we're talking about. And it's written by Zeb Wells, pencils by John Romita Jr., Scott Hanna on inks, Marcel Menez on colors and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. I know that, you know, lately, actually not even just lately, but the last bunch of years or so, it's not real cool to say that you like John Romita Jr.'s art. People end up kind of making fun of us because we like it. I actually like this issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's one of the one of the better Spider-Man artists ever. He has his own style. I think that he obviously is better on Spider-Man than, say, when he was on the DC stuff. The DC mm-hmm. stuff, he just didn't have the background and the history of doing them. I think that this is pretty cool. Though some of the some of the side characters look a little wonky, but I don't mind. I think that it's really cool. And you do end up having a really cool cliffhanger. Those are the two things I like. Well, actually, three things, because I mentioned. I like some of the things with Tombstone. I like the art, and I like the cliffhanger. Kind of surprised me a little, though you said before we started, we should have kind of seen it coming. We should have. But that's what makes a good surprise, I think, where you see it, and it makes sense enough. And then we're like, oh, man, why didn't I see that? I think Seb Wells does a good way of almost telling you but in a twisty way because the rose is part of this and he keeps saying fist, fist, fist. Now, in that, there is no damn reason why Tombstone wouldn't say Wilson Fisk and, and get it all out or Kingpin, right? But that's yeah, the play. He's, just, he's, just, he's having some fun, I guess, messing with Spider-Man. So you end up having Digger and the rose starting out. Good old Digger. Good old Digger. <laughs> I, I sat there. I'm like, oh, Vegas 13. What are you? He's such a weird guy but i like it enough and they're talking about what's going on and it's a gang war and and it does even say go back to the beginning of this run to see and that was there was big stuff with the rose coming back and things like that so it works out but in this you're just going to be reminded again i mean really the whole concept of what we've gotten already up till now is hey all hell is breaking loose and all the gangs whether they are named on the map or not they're going to end up showing up and trying to get what's theirs or try to steal what isn't. That's that's all it is. And so when you have this going, that's why I like Tombstone in this. At least we have somebody involved in the game. In the meantime, you know, She-Hulk and Spider-Man, they're just trying to stop the city from being on fire. We need that in. And the in is Tombstone because 
when this is going down the rows, who is pissed at Tombstone and tells his guys and Digger, hey, we're going to go. And I hear that, you know, Tombstone stuff being run by his daughter, Janice. Well, this mm-hmm. is cool because he wants to get back at Tombstone. What better way than to take his territory and kill his daughter? So that's the big play. That's big. And okay, I'm interested a bit. I'll tell you still, I'm not like at the edge of my seat, you know, gripped with all this tension and stuff over the story. I still am waiting for something to really get me in. Yeah. And that's why I like the cliffhanger. I mean, and it it feels like it's not even like gang war that I'm excited about. It's just that, oh, Fisk is back and he's there with Spidey. He's there with those. But we'll see. But the big play is they're going to go kill Janice. Then we go off and we were talking beforehand. The idea where, okay, what do we have going on and do we have enough of a story for a whole issue? We should. We just started this. But out of nowhere, you just have Tombstone say, all right, I'm teamed up with you, Spider-Man. Let's go. And they go off and out of nowhere fighting the tracksuit mafia. <laughs> and in this, it looks a little different. There's a yeah. little play here. And so you have the bro talk. You have the tracks. It doesn't even look exactly like the tracks. The tracksuits are a little different, too, which is they're not as tracksuity. I can't say that everyone in this gang are Russians. You know, that's the play. But they might have been whittled down because of the Hawkeye stuff. And what we're talking about is the Hawkeye deal. And the funny thing of those, you know, the tracksuit mafia is just the bro, bro, bro. Mm-hmm. And the idea that they were so like just foreign to everything that they thought. You know, they always had wacky ideas and stuff like that. And when they go in and Tombstone goes in with She-Hulk and Spider-Man, I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of funny. It's a kind of a funny callback, but not really. And then in the end, you're like, we wasted a a big part of the middle of this issue with just Tombstone, She-Hulk, and Spider-Man fighting the tracksuit mafia. With the tracksuit mafia had shown up, to take down the inner demons of Mr. Negative, but because of all that, they hear what's going on and they skedaddle, even though I think maybe they would get involved in the fight and take everybody out, but they leave and you really didn't do much. Mm-mm. You didn't do much at all except maybe try to tell jokes. And Like I said, the Trexit Mafia, they usually are just goofy. They're also pieces of crap. I mean, they are, but they always come off as kind of that goofy, not really a threat deal. So when you see them here, you don't really worry about anybody, but it's also jokes. It's also, you know, jokes where you have Tombstone come in. He's like, hey, I'm back in the game, all these things. And the real big play is that he tells Peter, now that I've been seen with you, I'm screwed. Like, I can't ever do anything, which that's a big claim, especially for somebody as big as Tombstone. But, you know, the, the play and. Again, you want to set up in this gang war, you you have gangs going at each other. It's a gang war, it is. But you do need that big, big thing that everybody will want to go against or that one. And it's Tombstone. If something happens to Janice, he's not going to care whatever. He's going to try to destroy everyone. And if she does live, I think he still wants to destroy everyone and maybe give it all to Janice. So you do have that play where you do need that that big you know thing that everybody's going to go against with Peter even you know Spider-Man teaming up and whatnot but in this again you just do we have to fill it out this issue already with tracksuit mafia and well we and, got to see She-Hulk throw Spider-Man that was pretty cool i guess and you have that play Zeb Wells wants to yuck it up so when <laughs> when you end up where 
you have Tombstone come in. He ends up with the, and it's not even a good joke. He's no. like, sorry, you got all dressed up. That's not that funny. Like, make something in the track deal. I don't know. Hey, you guys, you're, you track. I don't, I can't come up with that. But Spider Man repeats it. And then She-Hulk goes, Oh, he already said that. I'm like, Why would both? Yeah, that was a little weird. It's not a great joke. And then he's like, Oh, must not have been a good joke then. But they just run away. They end up, you know, getting out of there at one point. They're like blasting She-Hulk straight up with Uzis and she's just (laughs) running and crashing them. And then we just go from there to, And this is where I said, I think one of the best moments is where Tombstone says, I've been seen teaming up with you now. There's no way that any of these, you know, crime heads will ever deal with me. I'm done. This whole play here is, you know, in and out. I'm done. I'm not going to be able to live this life. And almost plays the idea like it's a suicide mission. Like he doesn't even care if he dies here, but he wants to make sure that his daughter is okay. That's kind of what this whole play is for this issue. Uh, but then we go to Madame Mask downtown. She's there. Hammerhead is still like, the guy has to have bled out by now. He looks like he's still <laughs> bleeding all this time. He's a mess. And she's kind of talking trash, but it's not really anything new. This is my problem with a lot of this issue is it just ends up feeling like you're reiterating things that we have seen or, you know, Vocalizing things that we know The idea she's like oh you treated me like crap Hey this hey I want to come I'm like okay okay And then you know he goes and it's supposed to be The the play that he's grabbing for a gun But he's actually grabbing for his phone She stops him and then sees it's a phone And says oh yeah Call all of them call all your guys Because she's going to have this play here Is what she's going to end up doing In the meantime we go to Harlem and see Janice White Rabbit all of them are just around and the big thing is, hey, we got to show, you know, Diamondback, who's up? We're going to go after this guy. We're going to do this. So I think I'm going to show you this new costume. I'm like, just looks weird. Like the, the idea it's that like, when, uh, the helmet from uh, uh, Green Goblin and yeah, Spider-Man movie look like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it just weird we're getting these new costumes here. Yeah. It almost looks like an like almost like a, a kabuki mask kind of but. I don't even know how to explain it, but here's what I would ask you. <laughs> when when she shows up, right, she goes to see, I'm going to go and talk with Diamondback, see what's up, and I'm going to take him down. I'm going to get my father's things back. Are they going to think she's somebody different? Yes. Because she's going to show up as, you know, the Beatle anyway, but they're going to know it's her. Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter that they're really like, Oh, I see you got a new custom, but you're still Janice. I mean, she'd have to take her mask off, I guess, or show his face or say her name. I think they realize that, like, she wants to get props for it as well. It's just odd to me. I mean, if you told me it was bulletproof or made of adamantium or vibranium or something. Why wouldn't her other outfit be, like, it seems more of an upgrade of, I have to look evil. Scary. Like, I'm stepping, I have to look scary. In that case, then it's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah like yeah. if you were just going to play the adamant, you would just use your regular <laughs> and go. But it is kind of like uh, it's not very threatening. The Beatle deal. So she gets this. Just think it's kind of silly. Uh, remember, though, that the whole play here is is that Tombstone said to take care of my dog. So we still don't know what's going on. You would assume that now it really does mean protect her. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. But. While that's happening, all this stuff. Again, we haven't really done much. We have a lot of people saying what they're going to do, 
hey, I'm going to go and get, you know, get back the stuff from Diamondback, and I got this new outfit. We end up having Tombstone, She-Hulk, and Peter. They go and they fight the tracksuit mafia and don't even get – I don't even know what the whole play of that ever was anyway because after that, they just go, and they're sitting around. Tombstone says, we're going to wait here. They'll be after us. Fisk will be after us. Fisk will come for us. We just have to wait. And they're drinking it up. Yeah, it was weird to see them drinking, I thought. Yeah, I they're like, let's get drunk while, they're, <laughs> while we're waiting, right? Because yeah. I'm telling you right now, the amount that he's poured into that one glass, I'm hammered. I don't drink. Like and I know for a triple. fact, if I'm there, I would feel like I have to because I wouldn't want to look you know, like a jerk in front of Tombstone. So I'd be like, all right. And I'd, I'd, be, I'd be hammered. Stork pouring a drink. Yeah, really. And they're just like, hey, you know, this is going to be here. I'd just, oh, he can drink too. I'd be passed out behind the bar. But they're there like, oh, we're going to get here. We're going to work this out. Fisk is going to be here. I screwed him over. Fisk, Fisk, Fisk. And I think that this is where we talk. Zeb Wells does a pretty cool deal because when Fisk's name first comes up, you might start like, oh, Fisk. oh man, we had at the beginning, we had the rose. Fisk, so that's what he means. And that's where he gets that dupe. And I thought it was done pretty well. Because they're waiting and keep saying, I don't care about anything but my daughter. I don't want my daughter to get hurt. I don't want my daughter to get hurt. I'm going to have this come after me. All this going on. What we'll have then is that it is Wilson Fisk who comes to them while the Rose goes after Janice and, uh, you know, the Beetle. But in the meantime, in between them, we have Madame Mask who's there and it's like, hey, all you guys, because Hammerhead's guys come. He ends up calling them. It's kind of a trap for them to come but she wants to show she's in charge like i like the idea when they come in they're like hey where's the boss you're looking at her i'm <laughs> the boss now you're the boss what do you mean by that and then a weird play out of nowhere i didn't think this was gonna happen but look up there guys and they look up and you have that dude that i still don't know that we're supposed to know he has nefaria <laughs> and silvermane's head that's the best and they throw him off the roof like, they just splat next to her. Silvermane, though, because he's just, he still ends up being able to talk. Well, I mean, he doesn't have a heart or anything, so. I mean. Still, though, he has only one thing ahead, and that yeah. thing just bounced off the concrete. Is he, he really alive? Yeah, <laughs> really. It's not much of a life. So, no. picks him up and says, hey, tell him. And then, hey, you know, she's the leader now. And so you get that, and everybody's like, okay. The thing about Madame Mask, though, that bothers me, I guess, is I don't even see her as a New York villain. She's a West Coast thing. I don't even know how she's involved. Same with Afaria. Seems like the play with her is that they they treated her like such crap. And then we go to Janice. And when Janice goes to, you know, face Diamondback, all that going down, you have that back and forth with Janice and Tombstone with this fist, fist, fist deal. And it is where Janice goes in and runs into Look at Digger, just looks like hell. And the Rose yeah. says, Hey, you're trespassing on my property as you end up with the cliffhanger that you have Mayor Fisk, you have Typhoon Mayor. They're all there. And that's cool to be back in the well, main I, I got some thing. problems with it now. I'm thinking about it though, because there was so much with the Daredevil, ran him off, and he was going to. He was dead or whatever, and his son took over. And he's doing X Men stuff with Typhoid Mary. I think I, it's just to get the hype back in here, and here he is. It, but yeah, is it too I know soon, that, though? I mean, I don't know. It's been a while. I just want him to be able to sign off that Fisk law, even though he's not mayor anymore. Maybe make him that. Make him that mayor <laughs> for a day. He's like, Fisk law out. 
Then we can get all that off the book. I think that maybe you're supposed to think, oh, crap. Like, what? But I I think that he's there to team. If you're going to have another person teaming up with Spider-Man, it'll be Tombstone, Fisk, because now Fisk, Wilson Fisk, King, he's going to be mad because he wants to protect Butch, and then they're going to be mad at the Rose. And I just think that this is supposed to almost look like, oh, my God, like, oh, this is going to be crap. I think he'll team up with them as well. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's chameleon in a fat suit. <laughs> fat suit. <laughs> You're fat shaming Wilson Fisk. I, I think that it's him. I think that this is just the play. I, we have to do something. You know, yeah. we, I'm looking at the checklist. I mean, we have tons of issues still. He does have the Hellfire goons with him. So I guess that's kind of tying in. Yeah, so that's going to be his on. I mean, really, in this whole gang, where what does two, they need an army that'll probably be that de facto army? Hey, we'll do this. This go say I'll team up with you at right now, but then we won't be teamed up later. It'd be a crazy deal, and it's really at this point where Tombstone says, "Hey, I'll team up with you, but everybody's seen me now, and I can't really go back to my deal." He'll know Peter Spider Man teaming up with Kingpin. That might be that almost like that idea as well. Like, I can't team up with Kingpin. Like, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how it is. But what would you give this? I'd give this one a solid 7.5. Now I'm a 7.5. I, I, I actually, the first time I read it, I, I was actually at an 8. Mm-hmm. Now that we go through it, you actually have to, you know, verbalize the things. It's, it's not much going on. Yeah, and no, I'm I the know same as you on that. it's started, but this is the big book. And you're just, there's so many people in these gangs i mean there's tons of the, and then you add the tracksuit mafia for no reason so when you have this going on there might be just too much going on that's why i think maybe fisk tombstone like we can get that kind of compressed here and just have them person who has the least stakes in this and really shouldn't care much as peter <laughs> peter is there and maybe she hulk but peter spider-man in this gang war is just kind of you know, running damage control a bit. He's just running to make sure people don't die or whatnot. There's no real, you know, any sort of horse in the race for him. So you have an amazing Spider-Man book that the big parts are going to be other people. The Janice thing is big, but do people really care that much? I like Janice, but I liked her more within the speaking of which we still, you know, with Robbie and, and all that, and Randy, like there's a lot of stuff with spinning plates that we have to at least do something with. But we also have to do gang war with characters like the Rose and Digger and, you know, all those. Yeah. It, it's just a, it's a crazy it's, deal. It's a lot of characters going on here, man. There's an, a lot of the characters aren't named Peter, Parker, or Spider-Man. We're both 7-5. And yep. It's still what it is. It's not really hooked me. I can't say to anybody, oh, my God, you got to get involved with this gang war. But it's not as, maybe not as bad as I thought it would be, but it's kind of just boring a bit and that might be worse but it's entertaining i'd rather see this than what how, how did peter blow up york pennsylvania or whatever yeah that that's true well, there again you're playing the idea of the better of the the bad yes you know I this whole that. run is kind of the better of the bad and the best things were the early stuff with tombstone that's why we have this i think mm-hmm. that's 100 percent why we have this is to try to get back that feel called an event to make it but i don't feel like people are that excited but we'll move on to the next Spider-Man book, which isn't a gang war book. And that next book is Superior Spider-Man, 
Number two, I actually thought that the issue was called Shut Up. It sued up. I was just going to yell shut up to you. <laughs> I might say that later. But we ended up, it's written by Dan Slott, pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by John Dell, letters by VCs, Joe Caramagna. Again, I feel weird because the idea of a lot of people hating on Dan Slott so they won't read things, whatnot, me and you like the first issue of mm-hmm. Superior Spider-Man enough. You like the Spider-Man series that this came out of and, and all that stuff going on and Spider-Boy came out of as well. I like so, all the Dan Slott Spider-Man stuff. Yeah, you like that. So when yeah. we get into this, I, I don't know. Again, I think it's weird to have this book and Spider-Boy come out the same week because you have Spider-Boy a lot in the Superior Spider-Man. It's okay. I think you're going to like this more than me as we go through it. Just, again, it's one of those issues where two, you know, two issues in, and I feel like we're running out of steam a bit. And I'll also say that in the Spider-Boy, but we'll, we'll save that for when we fight about that one. But this whole play of Supernova, this villain that has a, I thought it was a clever play. You mm-hmm. end up where Supernova comes out of this chamber and hates Spider-Man, but it was actually Ock as Spider-Man during the Superior Spider-Man deal. That's a really funny play, especially when Ock was laughing. Like, oh my, she's like really <laughs> hates me, but she's going to go after Spider-Man. Now, at this point, we've had the idea where Doc Ock was shown a picture from one of his, you know, drones, his, what do you call them? I mean, it is his tentacle drones when they separate and go up. Came back, and this one seemed to be goofing off a bit. It was like a little bit of a slacker and came back where everybody has this info. And this one was taking pictures of Peter changing (laughs) out of the Spider-Man outfit. Like, it was like, ooh, let's get this. And when Doc Ock sees it, he was mad too at it. Isn't it like Octoids, I think yeah, they're octoids. called? Yeah, Octoids. Yeah. So he ends up like one of the Octoids. He's like, what are you doing? Why? I didn't want this. I... And when he sees this picture, boom, it triggers everything coming back. He yells, I remember everything. So he remembers being Superior Spider-Man. He remembers being Peter, all that stuff, which, okay, that's cool enough, but mm-hmm. what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with this supernova? Because supernova trying to take down Peter, that's fun and all. But either you're going to have Peter have to stop her, or I don't know what else. I just it, It's one of those things that I think it felt clever at one point. Now I just kind of need it to go away. It's not as interesting now. Though at the end, you're going to have Doc Ock team up with Peter to go take her down. But like I said, it still ends up. Almost feeling like that, oh, it's the Doc Ock sins of the past here. We got to go and, you know, take care of this. But I don't know that I need that many issues for Supernova. In the meantime, though, there's a big fight going on downtown. And the only one who kind of knows the whole situation is Anna. Anna gets in a cab. This cab driver is the villain of the week. I mean, this guy (laughs) is awful. because Yeah, he's bad. She's there, and it is, like, if you look at the crowd, like, people are, like, milling around more than there's, I think they ever would be, you know? Where's this cab going? Why is she getting in a cab? Because it's not going anywhere. There's people everywhere. And she says, I got to get to Times Square, and, they, and the cab driver's like, we're not going to be able to get there. Radio says Spider-Man's fighting some crazy fire lady there. It's not quite, but still, to me, I don't know, to me, the idea of, Spider-Man fighting anybody is just another Tuesday in New York. I mean, uh-huh. the things that have happened in New York with this, and so there, and the people seem to like, hey, we got to get there and take pictures. I don't know, but you're right. Why did she get in the cab? The cab's not going unless this guy. Maybe she thinks this guy is a piece of crap and will run over people. 
No, he's just a piece of crap who tells Anna at one point, get the <laughs> F out of my cab and kicks her out. And Anna, I think, is really trying to shame him because if, I mean, most people would know, but if you don't, she's a dwarf. She gets yep. out and yells, my tiny legs. And I'm like, ooh, she's really <laughs> giving it to him. Like, she wants to make this guy feel like a real piece of crap. But she gets out and says, oh, my tiny legs and against the crowd, this might take a while. It's weird because you're you're kind of setting up a timetable for when she does, but she doesn't really show up late. This is a weird no. She makes play, her way right? there. Yeah, yeah, she makes her way there. So why have this? Why really? I know you want to show that she's on her way, and she has info. And she says at one point, this cab driver's just like, "Hey, lady, what's it to you?" And she's like, "What? You don't know me." Anna Maria Marconi, I'm Spider-Man's friend. And that's what the guy's like, Spider-Man's friend, get the hell out of here. Kicks her out, but it's such an odd play. Yeah, she goes, uh, get me to Times Square where you and I can save him. Hey, lady, you're nuts. Get the F out of my cab. Yeah, really. The guy's like, <laughs> save him? Like, I'm just here doing know, my man. job. I don't know, man. I think I do the same thing. Get out. Here's how bad I am. I'm looking. There's a lot of people, right? Anna, she does look. Fancy. She's in nice outfit and stuff like that. She's friends with Spider-Man. I'm thinking that this fair is going to take so long. And look, oh, uh, you're going to make money on it. Oh yeah. yeah. And then when we get there, and she's like, "All right, let's go." I'm like, Arr! I wouldn't even. <laughs> I'd push her out as I'm going. I'd come to almost a stop. I'm telling you, I get that fair, and I'm like, "You deal with this crap yourself." And I'd split, but I'd get paid. The funny thing is, with all those people in the street, it, it probably is quicker for her to walk. So I don't want to say it, but maybe she's just lazy. Anna is lazy, she said. But she gets out. She's going to make her way. It just gives you a time before she ends up showing up. But you could have done that with just the cab stuck in traffic. It's weird. Just yeah. to make this guy a, a, a bad guy. But you go downtown then, and the big fight is that Supernova is fighting Spider-Boy at this point. Remember, Peter went off and thought, okay. She doesn't know Peter Parker. She only know, but then she does anyway. That that kind of is foiled in a little bit. But she's after Spider Man. If he takes the costume off, he just assumes it is a weird assumption. She'll just go away. She won't do anything. She'll say, "Oh, Spider Man's not here," but Spider Boy is, and she's now saying, "I'm gonna make Spider Boy tell me where Spider Man is. I'll grab Spider Boy." She at one point is like close to killing. Bailey a couple times yeah and then out of nowhere stops and i don't know if this is supposed to be that she's a little unhinged because of all those years in that if you really if she really talked the spider boy i think they could become friends because they have that weird play of being forgotten now she end up where she's in this deprivation type nuclear chamber where bailey just kind of got erased from the timeline but they still have that issue of being forgotten and it might have been something, but... You could see her totally turning into a hero of some type. Uh, she's just misunderstood right now, and she's also learning her powers. I'm not so sure that that's not what we're getting here. Yeah. And I don't know that I love it. I don't <laughs> know that I care to have her as, you know, Supernova as a hero. I don't mind. Send her out to space. She can do Guardians of the Galaxy I'm saying, stuff. If, if you end up saying, hey, Supernova, you're a hero. <laughs> we never see her again, then I don't care. But I don't know <laughs> that I need her all the time, right? Because really, she is really against what if she can figure out that she's really against Doc Ock, which is going to be a weird. How do you explain that to somebody? But if you, you did that, 
then she would realize that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a hero. I'm against a villain. And when she's beating her, she puts Bailey in the hospital, but pulls back at one point and says, hey, I really don't want to do this. It's a weird turn where she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't really know my powers yet. I didn't mean to be that. Cra- I, I'm sorry. And it felt weird. Then she gets mad again. Then she says she's sorry again. It's just a weird play, but it does feel like Dan Slott is trying to make her a little more sympathetic where what she should, what what Dan Slott should be doing and probably will going forward. You got to get Doc Ock in the mix being really bad. You got to get somebody worse, and that's Doc Ock. Have Doc Ock just ripping her apart, and then she can yell out her story, and you forgot me, you did this to try to, you know, get us on her side. Versus Doc Ock, if she's fighting Spider-Boy, and I know Spider-Boy, not the most popular character with everyone, he's a little kid. You can't have somebody just beating up a little kid and think anything good of them. So you have that going on, but she does pull back, but still puts him in in, in the hospital. Yeah. But as that's going on, you have where Peter ends up where he's trying to figure out what he can do. He realizes, oh, God, I thought that she would go away. But now she's just attacking everybody else. So I got to go do something. I got to get my stuff and get back to this. Doc Ock, knowing who Peter is, now grabs him and just starts choking him out and starts yelling. I know everything. I, you know, Spider-Man, all that. And really, the only thing that does pull him out of that a little bit. First off, you know, Anna does show up at one point, but Spider-Boy is in big trouble. He is going to get killed and they Mm -hmm. have to end up. Saving him so Peter then While they go off Peter has to Figure out what he's going to do He doesn't have his costume he doesn't have a thing I like when Doc Ock and him are fighting And you end up where Doc Ock's oh you don't have Your gizmos and gadgets he's like I don't need Them I'll fight you if I have to but I got to get back to Bailey And there's a little bit of Shade thrown where Doc Ock Is kind of funny where he's like listen You should have done what I did shun him and kick him the hell out. Like, that, that's what he did. He's like, I got rid I of that I did like kid. that so, part. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Anytime anybody shuns anybody, I, I, I like that. I and what I like about it is usually anybody else talking would have said, hey, Peter, why are you getting a little kid involved in the – No, no. Doc Ock just says, like, I shunned him and, you know, kicked him to the curb. That's what you should have done. <laughs> you end up Peter going and he has to figure out if I fight this supernova, like, I'm just going to have to attack her as Peter Parker. I'm going to have to go at her. And when that ends up going on, you just get Doc Ock gets involved. You get Anna involved as well. And it is funny where Anna, we said in the, she is drawn like, looks like a five-year-old kid. Yeah. Instead of what we, but that's, you know, each artist. But when you see her there, you're like, oh, again, you're going to have Supernova go against what actually is a dwarf, but still looks like I'm like, They're not good optics right now Mm -hmm. with the supernova. In the meantime, you do have Doc Ock show up and Peter kicks him in the balls. (laughs) What kind of hero does that? that, Because, again, Peter's desperate. He has Anna there, but they're trying to save Bailey. And when he he kicks him in the balls, he's like, I'm a desperate hero, Doc. He goes, do, like Homer does. So all this going on, you still have supernova just... You know, talking crap. Where is Spider Man? Where is Spider Man? Yelled it to Spider Boy. Where is he? He's like, I don't know. I'm Spider Woman's sidekick. He tries to get out. <laughs> then ends up where we realize that hiding as Peter Parker doesn't really work because when Doc Ock was Peter Parker, 
he's the one who suggested with Anna to go work for Spider-Man. So he's like, Peter you're Parker, a yeah. guy. And he's, she's so mad at him now. It is kind of funny, the escalation of all this uh-huh. nonsense. But you have this deal now. We talk now. Supernova, who is Australia Lopez, is smart. I mean, the reason why she got thrown in that whole craziness she's a genius. Is She's a genius who figured uh, Doc Ock treated her like crap. He ended up taking her research. She was just trying to help. She was like an intern kind of side. And she kept suggesting that deal. We should do this. We should do this. And Doc, I don't need to talk to you. What we're going to do. And then just did what she said. So she does know things. And so when Anna goes and actually Peter's yelling, he has the web slinger on his one hand. And Anna is smart and covers it up. She uses both her hands to cover yeah. up with and we said, well, with, maybe she would know because she was working with Spider-Man. But it, it just kind of felt weird that he covered this up, even when the idea is he's connected to Spider-Man anyway. And so in this, the best play of this and makes me laugh so much. It doesn't play out yet. But the idea, because when Doc Ock was Spider-Man, it was Anna and Peter, but it was Doc Ock. And mm-hmm. so when you end up Supernova grabs Anna and says, I'm taking you. And you better have Spider-Man come and find her or I'm going to take care of her. You know, a whole kind of kidnapping deal. But ends up yelling, if you want your girlfriend to be okay, like yelling at Peter, it made me giggle. That Doc Ock will probably lose his mind. Uh, but takes Anna away, in a way. And you said one of the things is, is that Supernova's still trying to learn her powers. I mean, and they're, you know pretty much you know extreme i mean the power of a star that you didn't have a day ago i mean trying to figure that out but takes anna away and then peter oh my god and then spider boy bailey's he's wrecked he has to get taken to the hospital now do you find it weird that peter did not take off his costume at all like when he takes spider boy he has to get him there quick the only thing then that dan slot kind of makes it work because Nobody knows who Bailey is, and he's not on, you know, record of... Yeah, no fingerprints, no anything. That's a problem, too, though. Even though kids like that, I mean, there's a lot of... Why would they be in the system a lot of... I don't know. He's visiting from, uh, you know, somewhere in a different country. Yeah, I wouldn't have had him in that Spider-Boy costume, though, when he went in. I would have taken that off. He's like, I hope he has something on under here. He goes... I do like, though, when you see him on that bed as they're going, he's so small. They really, that's a really good perspective to see, like, how big. But there's got to be people because people seem now to know, even mention, oh, that's Spider Man's sidekick. Oh, my God. Whether or not they can get him in the system with it, but it's still his identity. It's a weird play. I think that he should have taken that off, but you end up going and. You end up where the, I like where, where Peter's there and this nurse is like, yeah, you know, that spider boy, pretty cool. But you know who's a piece of, like, everybody's a piece of crap. In this. Like, who's a, that spider man's an a-hole. And yeah. he's like, yeah, look at, he's endangering a child. Peter's looking at us on that paddle. He's like, <laughs> so mad. He's like another J. Jonah Jameson here. Huh? Yeah, really. I'm a menace, am I? So he ends up where it looks like Bailey will be okay. And, this is a nice uh, things are kind of crammed in. This is a weird issue of a lot of different things going on where then Peter comes in. Bailey's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gotten involved. But then Peter tries to make him feel better and says that in that other life that he talked about before where he wasn't Spider-Man in that deal, he jumped in front 
of the bullet to save Uncle Ben. So he ended up saying it, but you know, here I had great power, no responsibility, but there I didn't have any power, but I jumped in front of it. And you know what my Uncle Ben said? That I was a hero. And I do like when Bailey says, am I still your sidekick? And he says, no, you're my hero. And then Bailey smiles. And then I thought Peter was going to continue with him. By the way, you aren't my sidekick because I just got shade thrown at me by some nurse who yeah. was screaming and yelling at me. Ixnay on the sidekick. Yeah, everybody's mad at him about that. But uh, yeah, like, <laughs> we don't let's know not each talk other. about that. Like, yeah, really. And again, you don't really want to be around the whole play. The doctor says, Dan Slott tries to make, says, oh, he wanted to see you. And I think Peter's like, Peter's ready to flip out. Like, he just, you know, my identity's done. Like, why would he want to see me? Like, he thinks Bailey went, I want to see Peter Parker Spider-Man. But mm-hmm. he said, I want to see the guy who brought me in, the guy who saved me. So it works out. Because Peter does kind of take a step back at one point. Like, what? What did he say? Oh, he said that you were, oh, okay, that's better. I won't have to kill him now. Yeah, Peter was ready to put the pillow over his head or oh, something. Oh, yeah, the pillow was going right there. <laughs> like, listen, just be quiet. This will be over the second. So he he's there. Bailey's okay. Anna still is kept, but we got to do something about it. He is going to try to figure it out. He's like, okay, clock's ticking, Parker. Anna Maria needs you, but where do I even start? I don't know the first thing about Supernova. How do I even find her without? He's going to say Doc Ock or information, whatever, but Doc Ock shows up. He gets it. It's, it's a cool play. You get that duel. I like when you get Peter and he has the spider sense and you see the half mask. Be a cool uh, actual uh, Halloween costume. Have like the spider the sense mask. go in there and have yeah. the half mask, but have Good. the things kind of float in there. It'd be really neat. People wouldn't know what that meant, though. There'd be some weird reactions, I think. But Doc Ock comes in. I love that. He does not want to team up with Peter, but Anna's in trouble, and he doesn't get – that's his deal. I like that he just throws up the crumpled up suit, <laughs> just throws it at Peter and says, suit up in the superior well, Spider-Man suit. Get going, buddy. It's so kind of convenient because cool. Peter doesn't have his costume. I mean, he's like, I can run to my apartment and get my actual costume real fast rather than wearing this. This is the play this week, it seems, is well, team-ups is kind of the deal, but – Villains teaming up with heroes is, is pretty much the spidey way this week. So you have that. It's okay. I said a lot of things get crammed in with each other, but some of the stuff I do like, I like the bit with Bailey and Peter. That was nice. I do like that Doc Ock is so desperate because it's Anna. That's a cool play. It is what Dan Slott will always do. And anybody will do with Doc Ock, but that's the play. And also Peter has the connection too. So he wants to save her. And then you have Supernova who, might want to try to be a hero, but just doesn't know how and is just pissed off, just completely pissed off. And I said, if if you end up coming out of a chamber like that, and in your mind, Spider-Man is what did that, I don't know how you can ever think of yourself as a hero. You you think the heroes are bullcrap. You may think you're the hero yourself, but mm-hmm. you know the idea of one of the best heroes is the one who did that in your mind. That's just why would you want to be a hero then? So I, I do like that, but what would you give this? I like this, you know, better than the the regular Amazing Spider-Man for sure. Um, and as you, I think I'm about the like, same. It's kind of like a backdoor pilot into maybe getting Dan Slott to do more Spider-Man stuff. But I'd say I'd give this one an eight point five. Yeah, I'm still a seven five. I know I'm higher than you on it for sure. It does with the stuff. The big story is Supernova, and I think that's the least interesting. Though, actually, 
Supernova's interesting, but not in the way of just fighting everybody. Supernova's interesting in that play of that she's against Spider-Man, even though it was Doc Ock, she'd never know that. So that's the clever part of it. But when she's just downtown setting people on fire and yelling stuff and then saying they're sorry and then going, it it just wasn't as interesting to me. It's just the second issue. I'm like, I kind of hope that Supernova gets taken care of. I like it enough. I just wonder why also that you have Spider-Boy in this book. In this book, Spider-Boy seems to mean something. Then if you go to what we're going to do next, the Spider-Boy book seems just like the jokey, let's have fun. You get that option, but do we need to, like you just said, there's times where there's tons of Spider-Man books, but do we need two books with Spider-Boy in it? That's a weird play as well, but we'll move on. To Spider-Boy right now. And this is Spider-Boy number two. Oh, Spider-Boy. We have a lot of them this week. And a lot of people, they weren't really looking forward to Spider-Boy when it was announced. Me and you like that first issue of this book. And I like them in the Superior Spider-Man. When we get into this, though, in the second issue, you're going to realize exactly what this book is. This is the not all, it kind of all ages. It, it kind of is the deal. But it's just let's have some fun. Yeah, lighthearted fun. Bailey, who was forgotten by everyone, he's going to go and, oh, my God, now I'm going to team up with Daredevil. Now I'm going to team up with Cap. Now I'm going to – that seems to be what we're doing here, and it's kind of just for fun. I think that, again, having Superior and this book come out in the same week, there is that weird play, and especially how we're doing it. After you do the Superior, where Bailey is almost killed, and he's in the hospital, you do not want to see him go against Taskmaster. I mean, what he has in the hospital because of Supernova and in this issue, Cap lets him fight. So, but it's for it's kind of a jokey kind of thing, but yeah. it doesn't work because you just read the more serious Superior Spider-Man. That's where I think there's that tone shift that doesn't really work with them in the same week. But it is Spider-Boy number two written by Dan Slott, art by Paco Medina, colors by Eric Garcianega. That's the first story. It was the fight before Christmas. And then we get Xmas Ex Machina with art by Ty Templeton, still a Dan Slot story. D. Cunniff on colors and VCs Joe Caramagna on letters. I will tell you, you'll get a lot of Santa puns that you like a lot more than I, I do. do. Well, it's the, if, it, if it wasn't the week before Christmas, I probably wouldn't like him as much. But the play is in conveniently, my, my I'm reading it. Dan Slott's having some fun here of usually those quips are Spider-Man quips, but because it's Santa, he's doing the Santa quips. I really thought that in that story, Bailey should have been trying to impress Santa. You know, hey, I'm present. And then Santa's like, get the hell out of here, kid. Get out of here. But Santa's yelling all sorts. He's going to town on those puns. It's it's welcome to the jingle. There's some here. (laughs) Eat, eat coal. Right. You have. You know, let's deck his halls. I'm like, that sounds sexy. I don't know if you should be saying that around this kid. But you end up starting the first story, which is the, this is funny now. It's the more serious, I guess, story. The second story is that Ty Templeton art, but it's also a team up with Squirrel Girl. So that's kind of the little, but they're kind of becoming kind of goofy the same. But you end up where at the Feast Center, Bailey is all happy. He's there with his friend. Oh, my God, Christina, we're going to take pictures of this uh, momentous occasion. And some guy, what is this guy doing? Because they are at the feast center. Somebody should know. This guy's milling about. Bailey says, can you take a picture of me and my friend's no family problemo, here? No little dude. And I'm gotcha. telling you, this guy makes a, 
a slow exit here. Like, why isn't the dad chasing down this kid? They do nothing to recover that phone. Nothing. They, they don't even care. Oh, don't worry. It's just a phone kind of thing. Bailey goes running off. The mom says, oh, my. The guy grits his teeth and then lets a little kid run after this guy who stole his phone. And he runs after and the daughter, Christina, she goes. And the guy ends up in the kitchen. I'm still wondering where everybody is. Somebody should be joining in on this chase. Nobody's making dinner at the at the feast uh, there, center. He grabs this you know, rolling pin and he's going to go. Well, and Bailey is the spider boy. He should do more, but that would make it so that you don't get the story. Well, I he guess, was going to take care of this guy. No problem. I mean, he just has a rolling pin, but, but he grabs that ladle and, and triggers his spider sense or whatever. And they do explain that it's a good thing to get this. So this kid grabs his phone and the reason why, and even this Christina didn't get another phone. I'm like, okay, Rockefeller. Yeah. Like, Bailey doesn't even have a family. Who it's his only possession. It's the only thing he owns. Picks up the slate. He grabs it. He gets premonitions when he grabs things. And it looks like this guy who does volunteer here at the Feast Center, he's going to get killed or attacked by Taskmaster. Now, when I do look at this, one thing I'd say is that guy looks like he can hold his own, right? He's yeah. a big dude. It's, it's like a linebacker. Without, yeah. It's just a shame that he's. Just Steve here and Bailey doesn't see that or he could have just let this aside. I mean, if he saw this was Captain America, maybe later I got to go warn him, but it's Captain America. But he sees this guy. Oh, my God, this nice guy who's there at the soup kitchen, you know, dishing out the tomato soup here. I got to (laughs) go save him. I think that maybe you could do both. In this point, the guy throws all the stuff. And like you said, that's how he catches the ladle. Just so there's a little distraction. But when you go and Bailey's just stopped there, Bailey just goes catatonic when this happens. Christina's like, oh, my God, Bailey, snap out of it. He's getting away. You see him in the next. He isn't getting that much away. He's right there. If the parents had been there, they would have resolved this. Hey, kid, give me the phone back. I'm not even sure the way I see this. I know you want to play it out as like a movie where usually when you escape through the kitchen, you do go out the back door. There's always like a back door because they throw away the trash and things. I'm not so sure here. And this guy, after Bailey explains his thing, after Bailey goes kind of, of the guy's still there. He's right behind him. Bailey could tackle this kid, get his phone, and then go do his stuff. And the parents aren't there. So when Bailey goes off, he actually leaves Christina there, it seems, with this guy who just stole stuff. It's going to be an awkward conversation. It's not good. Yeah, the guy's <laughs> like, uh, can you hold the door for me? I have to get yeah. out of here. And also probably he's like, yeah, I have my book bag out there near your parents. I'm going to go out. They don't seem to be that concerned. So I'm going to go out there. And even at one point seem to be hanging out. It's a weird play. But Bailey, because he has to go, they could have done this a little better. The way that it works out where he's like, no, no, no. Because I got to go help. I get premonitions. I got to go help. And even Christina's like, but your phone, all those pictures of your mom, the guy's right there behind. The guy's like, I'm going to check out these pictures. He runs off and says no. And, and you get that responsibility play here of Bailey's like, it sucks being Superboy at times, but I got to do it. And he goes out and he changes into Superboy and then starts zipping Spider-Man. around. Spider-Boy, yeah. What, did I say <laughs> Superboy? Yeah. Yeah, so he's Spider-Boy. He ends up where he somehow he's just going around. He's like, man, I've never been this high where he catches a ride 
on this big helicopter. How did he get up there? Like just catapult himself up somehow? Just up there. And he's like, oh, my God, this is where I had to go to warn this person. When he opens up the door, it's Cap. So now it's like, oh, it's Cap. He can handle this all on his own. Cap seems to know everything. He is so into Spider-Boy. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody who doesn't it's like Spider-Boy, craze, Spider-Boy, just remember that Cap, he knows everything. He even Spider-Man called me and said that you're not allowed to fight A-list. Well, why would, why would Spider-Man call Cap and <laughs> say that? And the best is Cap doesn't care. He, he, that's no. a rule that he leaves on the table for about five minutes. He's not following minutes. that rule. <laughs> the amount of problems that things happen here and who is getting put in danger, because what they are doing, they have some equipment. They're there. They're trying to escort it. That's why Cap's there. You have two other guards. And then after Bailey comes in, explains the situation, ends up talking, I thought you were in danger. I'm a little kid. Cap then just smashes this one guy, this one the guy there, there's a guy and a girl who are these guards. And all of a sudden, it's a Taskmaster. And he says, I could smell the, you know, the ozone, the smelling image ionic inducer. discharge of the image inducer. So yeah. I knew it was you. But why not do that right away? Why wait till you're that him. high up? Because you know when you reveal this, there's only one thing that's going to happen. You are going to fight Taskmaster. And now you're doing it in the air. And that seems to me a lot more dangerous. But. You also now have a little kid, right? But you end up where Bailey gets put on the sideline for a second because Cap starts fighting Taskmaster and the idea that Taskmaster can duplicate all the moves where he's also going after this, you know, it's a super adaptoid. (laughs) That's a throwback right there. Yeah, so you have this goofy stuff. Cap's big play then is, oh my God, Bailey, Superboy, he's forgotten. There's no way Taskmaster would ever have seen him fight. So he won. That doesn't mean that Taskmaster can't fight back. Like the idea that I go and fight you and you're somebody who, oh, I know everybody's moves. Just because you don't know my moves doesn't mean that your moves can't kill me. Taskmaster knows thousands of different people's moves. He knows everything. It's the play. It's weird. And dance. I don't I think he's just trying to have fun. But. Taskmaster is not, you know, null and void if he doesn't know your yeah, he might get punched a couple of times, he might be in danger, but that doesn't mean he can't be the danger to the other person and he's fighting a little kid. And it almost plays out the play where he's like, Well, and he's just running commentary. I recognize that. Daredevil. Like it maybe <laughs> the play here can be, and it maybe Taskmaster's a weird one to do with. Because you're never going to think. He doesn't even look fun. I mean, he's got that skeleton mask. Scary. So you can't even have the play of, oh, my God, oh, look at you. And you could have played where Bailey is a little more capable than he thinks. And then he's able to do some things. But instead, he's just like, oh, I I noticed this. And you're a lot of Spider-Man moves. Okay, that makes sense. But the whole play ends up being Taskmaster really is dumbed down so much by the end of this. Because the big attack, and what I think Dan Slott's playing again here is, Taskmaster doesn't know that Bailey doesn't have the web slingers. Even though, in his past, he did. It's just that Peter doesn't let him, because we saw Doc Ock let him have him. But he doesn't have the webs. And so he pretends to do it, which would be the shock deal. But I don't think that Taskmaster would ever cringe that way. 
to an eight-year-old's web anyway. They don't hurt when they hit you. They just yeah, stick to you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's webs. And yeah. really, if, if Bailey ends up getting him, if he does have a web, all Testmaster would do is yank on that web, and <laughs> Bailey would be a stain on the side of the cell or thrown out of it. So it's a weird, but it's, again, I have to keep reminding myself that it's just for fun. But that's the tough thing, like I said, after reading Superior, and you kind of jump in. I, I wish that these were separate weeks, but you end up where he's like, psych, no web shooters, and it's supposed to be this kid fun thing. Well, that ends up where Taskmaster's like, you little, and then gets kicked out of the helicopter. Cap just boots him right out. Yeah, Like, Cap really, through all of this, he set up Bailey to be the dupe, possibly <laughs> get killed just to be a distraction so he could kick him out of the helicopter. Now, Bailey says, oh, he's not going to get hurt, is he? I mean, because if this is just Taskmaster, with, he's dead. I mean, he, they're, they're so high up. And Cap says, oh, watch. He always has a jetpack under his cape. You'll see. So what what's the play here? Y- you know, and at the one point, he cut off the hand of the adapter. So he has that hand, yeah. um, whatever that. So he go. So what are you playing here? Because either Cap and that girl, uh, they're going to have to go and try to get Taskmaster or Taskmaster is going to be like, I am pissed. I just got I look like a jerk because of a kid. He's going to go, and now he's outside with a jetpack and that sword he never seems to use, and he's going to slice <laughs> the helicopter in half, and they're all going to die. So they need a way that he just leaves, but I don't know why Cap lets him. We've seen Cap even jump out of hell. Like, if it was a normal deal, there's no way Cap – Cap's laughing. Yeah. He's having a ball and just loves it. Yeah. He's like, watch this. He always – I love it where – if from below, Cap's like, hey, and this is his exact thing, watch. He always has a jetpack under his cape, you'll see. And from down below, you see the word bubble. I didn't pack it this time because yeah. he was a soldier. I know that he used the image inducer, but that seems like it'd be a little bulky. The mm-hmm. whole deal. It's, or Even somebody the slaps that guy on the back. What was that? <laughs> Wouldn't that cape weird, catch but... on fire, too, with yeah, the jetpack yeah. underneath? Yeah, it's weird. I just wish he didn't have it. And he's like, you yeah. jerk, I don't have it this time. Please, I'm going to die. And he's like, he's just joking. Oh, no. He just splat. Done. And Cap's like, listen, Bailey, people forgot about you already. I can make you disappear again if you tell anybody about this. <laughs> I'm Captain America, damn it. You don't tell anybody. They're firing lasers or bullets down on this guy just right at the city. Bailey's like, oh, man, is he okay? I don't want him to die. I mean, that... And then he's like, wow, laser fire? As they are just riddling laser <laughs> fire on Taskmaster. And the only reason, I think, is because you can't have him come back. No, you got to shoot him. The fight's over. So you have to discourage Taskmaster. But yeah, he gets away and says, all right, didn't get everything. At least I got this adaptoid hand. I, w- I wonder how much Killionaire will pay for it. I probably think he'll give you two Killionaires, where I who's Killionaire? Find out next issue. Yeah, you're gonna find out about Killionaire. Cap at the end, again at the one point says, "Oh, Peter told me all about this, and you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that, and let him do it." But Bailey's he told Cap about the phone because Cap knows about it now. I think he's like desperately like, "Please help me get that phone, or maybe get a new one." Cap's like, "Sorry to hear about that phone, son. I got a skedaddle." And yeah, he's just gonna go off, and it's kind of a. Uh, a sad thing, but says thank you, 
for helping me. You know, Bailey says about the responsibility kind of makes up the slogan that isn't really the slogan. And then says, hey, I'm going to try to, you know, do the deal. And, and Cap's happy to team up with Bailey and Bailey salutes him. He's like, whoa, 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 stop that. Uh, but you end up, that's the end. But we do kind of go back to like a wraparound deal at the end for this phone, even though he doesn't get his phone because we have the next story. And we said about this <laughs> being kind of the goofy one. We'll go through this. We're, we're spending a lot of time on this. Uh, but you end up where it's the Emilio Helio, the balloon <laughs> man, <laughs> who has gotten the Thanksgiving parade. And unfortunately, it looks like upset Brooke Shields who's running for her life That's right Brooke in the Shields. front. Like, exactly. oh, crap. Like, it really does look like her. They're all running. It's all Thanksgiving Day Parade. Bailey's there. Christina's there, but she's falling from the building. And that is what allows Squirrel Girl to not be involved in the issue. She goes off to make a squirrel ladder that we never see. A squirrel trampoline, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's like a whole crazy bunch of things. I, at the point, a squirrel ladder is helping nothing. This Christina, <laughs> she's falling to her death. And the idea, she's like, ready, guys, form a squirrel ladder. I'm like, I don't know about that. Squirrel trampoline, maybe. but. Who's going to team up with, with Spider-Boy? It's Santa. Santa comes in and says, hey, I can help out. You can, Santa. Ho, 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 okay. I'm like, all right. <laughs> You've already worn your welcome out, and it's the quippy stuff. So you end up where I do like where Bailey kind of goes with the Luke Cage. Sweet Christmas. He helps mm-hmm. out. That may be like, you're here in the nick of time. Santa then grabs Cole. I don't know. It is the funny play that he did bring all of his things there. Thank God those reindeer aren't real because they look all dead. He's like, I uh, I got to deliver all these uh, the naughty list at the Werner house. Yeah, really. This year. He's got all those kids and they're all bad. There <laughs> is that like little play of there's a lot more bad people now because <laughs> Bailey's like, are we going to have enough coal? He's like, oh, there's a there's lot of plenty bad of people. That. Have you been on Twitter lately? Yeah. And so he's going to do that. He's eat cool. You have all this stuff going on. Hey, let's deck this guy's halls. Oh, my. And they end up punching. Emilio Helio, it's that classic double punch. And poor Emilio Helio, he he's having problems because he needs that helium. He needs his fix. That sweet, sweet helium. Spider Boy's there to give him his fix. He's like, "Thank you, young boy." The first one's free, but you got to pay after yep. that. But he is. That's the one play here is you do really make Spider Boy is he's always he is concerned about a lot like anybody's well being, even Taskmaster now. He's Mueller. very conscientious. He's he is very nice. He's a nice yeah. kid. So he had said it's weird when he's given it. It does look like he's like, here, this is the hookah tube. Yep. Just breathe in here and you'll be Take fine. Take a nice like, huff of that, old man. You have all this going on. And then the big, I love this idea, too, where you have Christina and Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl comes in. Doreen and it's like, oh, man, what happened? Oh, man, you'll never guess who I teamed up with. Who? Tell him, Emilio Helio. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell them. Like, oh, you jerk. He's like, it was Santa. And like, I'm not oh, telling them because you're annoying. Yeah, yeah. He just <laughs> and I was like, you're not gonna get your fix, dude. You're done. <laughs> you're cut off. But he ends up helping him, and he he does say you're annoying. Yeah. And then he's like, it was Santa, really. I don't know. I don't believe you. Oh, come on. Hey, I believe you, Spider Boy, and my squirrels do too. And then they say, uh, uh-uh. uh. And at that point, I'm still trying to find that ladder. Because it was supposed to be really cool, but it wasn't. I like too. It's like, guess who helped me take down Emilio Helio? And like, who? Iron Man, Scarlet Witch. I'm like, they don't want any parts of this. <laughs> Seriously, it was sad. Uh, but it's kind of a cool play because of the season. So then you get the 
epilogue where everybody is exchanging gifts. Bailey gets jack crap. He's in the corner, like just off by himself. Everybody's smiling. You said before, Aunt May's there. Please, Aunt May. Like even then, where Peter would probably go to Aunt May because he did. We already know that Bailey hangs around feasting. Like, hey, I bought these gifts for him and just you know say they're from you or Santa, whatever it would be. Like this poor kid, but he does have a gift. And like, oh my god, I'd like it if he grabs it because it's like a big thing. He's like, this don't feel like no phone. He wants his phone, but it ends up it's from Santa. He's like, no way. And it's a picture of him and his mom. So he got that picture. He said there were tons of pictures. I think that Bailey, even though he's a good kid, he's like, man, this is just one of them. This is the worst one. But now it's like, oh man, all ends that well that ends well or whatever. You do get that. Would you like that Spider Boy ornament there? It's kind of wacky with those eyes kind of weird I'd hang it on my tree if i bothered to put one up this year be yeah kind of course. cool yeah <laughs> yeah everybody ditches bailing i mean if somebody would be like man i feel bad for him let's just get him something i, right? I, I would say and and where's the present from you and your family yeah you're such good friends like, and like I just, oh you're such a good friend the reason why my phone got stolen is because i was stupid enough to take a picture with you and your yeah. damn family and they didn't even help those jerks. Yeah. And then she's like, listen, my dad just got fired. My mom, <laughs> she's been working the pole a bit. I don't want to really get into that, but seriously, we're in hard times here. He's like, I don't care. No more excuses. Well, what would you give this? Another 8.5 for me on this one. It is fun, but some of the fun is how ridiculous Cap is and how ridiculous Taskmaster is. So I actually had more fun talking and reading this. I'll go eight. I think I'm going a <laughs> Listen, little I'm, high. I'm I want to go I like, seven, I think eight. this stuff's funny. So. It, it is kind of funny, but you have that. <laughs> but I'll go eight just to trigger people. But that is that for those books. And We still have plenty more, so we're going to move on to the next book. Hello, all you weirdos out there. My name is Zach, and once again, I am doing a solo review for the Weird Science Marvel podcast. Today, I will be reviewing Alien number two. Alien number two is written by Declan Shalvey, with the present-day artwork by Andrea Bricardo and Ruth Redmond on colors. The flashback artwork is by Declan Shalvey, who does both the art and the colors. The letterer is VC's Clayton Coles. And when we last left off Zasha Zahn, she had returned to LV-695 to recover the synth Dayton. Dayton had sacrificed himself 13 years ago to save her during the events of Alien, Thaw. To accomplish this, Zasha has created the fake identity Cole in order to gain employment with the Wayland yutani Corporation. They are sending a crew out to LV-695 to salvage the UCSS Borea, which is the ship that sunk in the prior series. So we pick up and we see Jun Yutani and his crew salvaging the UCSS Borea. And while they're doing that, uh, they discover that Cole has disappeared. And upon pulling up her ship's GPS, they find out that she has wandered off somewhere. And Jun Yutani wants to know why. So he takes him and his bodyguards and his personal ship and they go to investigate what she is up to. Which I really like that. It really shows how confident Jun Yutani is despite his young age. He's a really young uh, he's like 20-ish in this, maybe a little bit younger. I don't know. It's kind of ambiguous. But yeah, he's immediately like, oh, this person's doing something that they're not supposed to. Let's go find out why. Like, yes, that's what a competent villain would do. Hey, somebody's wasting our resources. I want to know why. I'm, I'm really glad that they are showing that he is competent despite his young age. Anyway, so they go off to investigate and we jump to Zasha, who is now flying to the uh, former... Uh, outpost she lived at called the keg and while she's going there she has this 
really boring in her narration where, you know, she's she's trying to get all fancy, all poetic. You know, she's very much like a, like, oh, everything was taken from me. I have nothing left to give all because of this dang planet and everything it took from me. And it's just, it's it's a little eye-rolling because it's, it's trying to be angsty, but it sounds like one of the kids from uh, South Park, you know, the emo kids. It's just, you know, like, one, one of the lines is literally, I never got to bury them. My past flows through the air here. I've waited a long time to breathe deep. Like, what? Like, wh- what do you mean by that? Why why do you want to breathe deep all this stuff? Like, what? I never got to bury them. My past flows through here on the air. You, you want to breathe your past? Like, I mean, I get it's trying to be poetic, but it's also like, you know, this is where your whole family died, too. You really want to be breathing that in? Like, I don't know. It's it's trying to be very moody and angsty, but it's just, it's a little ridiculous, to be honest. It took it took me out of the moment when I read that. I was just like, what are we trying to do here? But anyway, that that's just a nitpick, though. So, moving on, we then see what happened to the crew that Zasha had ditched on the UCSS Borea. Uh, they are now cocooned, and one of them ends up falling victim to one of the chestbursters. They're in the uh, egg-laying room on the Borea. And yeah, one of them bites the dust. And that's all we really see of them. Just, just like, oh, hey, this is what's happening to them. This is how we're going to get more xenomorphs. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. But I mean, we don't really need it. It just, it feels like it's adding to the page count. You know, like, like I don't want to say it's filler, but it's just, it's like, eh, this is to waste some page space in here. But uh, yeah, so we immediately then flash back to that uh, side plot that we had seen in the first issue. With the other planet, the mining planet, with the foreman and the synths. Yeah, so we see that the foreman, you know, he was impregnated. And now he has been taken to the doctors on that planet. And the synths are trying to uh, save him. They're trying to surgically remove the organism. But the chestburster just decides to burst. It kills him. The synths do manage to capture the chestburster. And they decide to keep it for research purposes. So we then flash back to the uh, Susasha. Sorry, this book jumps around a lot. That's one of my nitpicks. This book jumps like eight times between the four different plots. So it's it gets very jarring. But we go back to Zasha, and she's inside the ship now, and she's trying to look for Dayton. And while she searches, she does find the charred remains of her mother and the stillborn sibling from the first series. Now, I really like this. I like that she sees their charred remains, but then she's like, Hey, Mom, I miss you. And then she walks away. She walks away. She don't try to gather the remains or recover them. Like, look, I know you're here to recover Dayton, you know, the one who saved you, the synth. But, like, wouldn't you want to save your family's remains, too? And Dayton's part of your family, so why wouldn't you want to rescue your biological mother and your biological brother? Like, to me, I don't know. Like, to me, it should have been, oh, let me gather y'all, take y'all back to the ship, then I'll go back and try and get Dayton. Because... Obviously, you'd want to give your family a proper burial. You'd want them to, you know, be finally at peace, not left here on this planet where they are just left to rot, where all the xenomorphs had taken everything from you. Surely, you'd want them back and take them back home. But she doesn't. I don't know. It's just, it's really weird. It feels like it's going to be something later on, like some MacGuffin. I know there had been some rumors that, oh, the stillborn's still alive, but nah, it's, it's a charred remain here. I very highly doubt it'll come back, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe. So yeah, so uh, she sees them and then she moves on. And as she's walking, she's using one of those uh, motion sensors from, you know, aliens, which is kind of cool, but this is like the Wailing Yutani version, so it's, it's a little different. But So she's going through, then she sees, oh crap, aliens are coming. And she gets ambushed. 
And so we then go from there and we jump to a random scene where these guys who are in some Weyland Yutani ships are trying to reach the command center. And apparently the command center is not answering. And we just see this one panel where it's like, oh, hey, the command center where all these researchers were. Yeah, it was overrun. The Xenomorphs killed them all. We, we don't even see it. We just see the bloodbath like left behind by it. Which, it's kind of cool. It implies worse things, but I would really like to see that carnage. Because in this issue, the only like real action you get is Zasha shooting at the Xenomorphs. And she has like a 95% success rate. You don't see the aliens actually really kill anybody. You see a chestburster kill somebody, but not the aliens. And it's just, we didn't need that page earlier with the cocooned crew on the Borea. We could have used that scene to do to show the carnage from the command center. And before anybody asked, Jun Yutani was not at the command center because remember he went after Zasha. So yeah, so you know it's kind of cool. It shows that things are happening behind the scenes. That yes, this planet is overrun with xenomorphs. So I mean it's kind of cool, but I really would have liked to see the actual carnage and the actual like bloodbath. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bloodthirsty guy. I don't know. But yeah, so it's it's kind of just a random scene, but. It adds a little to the story, so I don't mind it. Yeah, so we then jump back to another scene. Like I said, guys, we jump back and forth a lot. So we jump from that scene, and we go back to Zasha, who manages to kill those aliens who ambushed her. And But even though she killed them, now the gunshots has alerted all the other nearby aliens. So now they're going after her. And then we jump again. Again, guys, we jump to the flashback. And we now see that that chestburster from the uh, foreman or whatever is now a fully grown alien under the research of those synths. And one of the synthetics, he's starting to get a little obsessed with it. You know, he's starting to be like, oh, you are a magnificent specimen. He, he's getting all weird about it. So thankfully, the synth in charge grows wise to this and be like, hmm, it's probably illogical to let the synth who's obsessed with this alien continue to research it. But he's like, why don't we just eliminate the creature? We've gotten all the data we can from it. There's no use leaving it alive. Which, like, yes! Yes, Synthetic. You are smart. You are brilliant. You should be the one in charge. I am very happy about this. He goes to try and kill the Xenomorph. The Xenomorph escapes and kills them, presumably. We don't get to see it. We just see it burst out of the glass. And that's it. And that's how the flashback ends. So we then go back to Zasha. And she has killed all the aliens that have been coming after her. She's running. She's trying desperately to find Dayton. And then she lowers her guard just for a second. And boom, a xenomorph appears right above her. And it's about to get the jump on her. Thankfully, something shoots it. And that's right. I did say something. Because that something is Dayton. He's still alive. How? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He is half a, he's half a synthetic here. He does not have his legs or anything below the torso. His organs, in quotation marks, are literally just hanging out. He has fluid leaking everywhere. He is really messed up, and yet somehow, 13 years later, he is still alive. Now, I know that we have seen in the Alien franchise before, synthetics survive. You know, some of them have survived as just heads. Some of them are killed instantly just by getting hit in the head. It is very weird. It's something very ambiguous. So, I mean, I want to hate this, but at the same time... I like Dayton as a character. Dayton's one of my favorite characters from the first series. Well, scratch that. He is my favorite character from the first series. So I don't hate it. But it's also like, eh, that's a little fudged. That's a little fudged. It's it's kind of a cool reveal. 
You know, I think some people's mileage may vary, but I mean, I don't know. I think it's a little cliche as well, but I mean, like I said, it's my favorite character. I'm going to let it slide this one time. It does bother me just a little, though, because my first thought was like, how the heck are you still alive? There is no way you're still alive after 13 years, but I don't know, man. They, they, they're they built Ford tough. I don't know. <laughs> uh, So, yeah, and that's how the issue ends. So Dayton's alive. Jun Yutani's on his way to confront Zasha. The Wayland Yutani crew absolutely got murdered. And for some reason, we're still having this flashback that doesn't seemingly connect to this main story. Now, my theory is just that it's going to be these are the Xenomorphs that took over that ship from the annual that ends up crash landing on this planet. I think that's how it's going to tie in. That's the only thing I could think of. I don't know how else it could be. So hopefully that's it. Um, overall, I still like this issue. There, I definitely had a few nitpicks. Um, but yeah, I still think this is better than his first series, uh, Declan Shalvey's that is, Alien Thaw. I think this series is better. Uh, if I had to give it a rating, I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10. The artwork is good. There are some really cool things in here that I do like. I like seeing Jun Yutani be a competent antagonist. I do like Zasha as a protagonist now. I didn't really like her as much during the first series. I'm starting to really like her here because it shows how dedicated she is. Like, hey, Dayton saved me. I need to save him, even though she doesn't know he's alive. That that gets a little wonky, a little fudged again. Now, I think she's fully going there thinking that he's dead. Just like, I want to just gather his manes, give him a proper burial. But I mean, like, if you were going to do that, why didn't you grab your family as well? You know, it, she never implied she was ever going to pick up her family's remains, too. She saw them, was like, hey, Michelle, moving on. Like, What? That's one of the negatives of this book. I really thought that that was a little bit stupid. It just, it felt like it was just there to be like, oh, hey, remember this? Wasn't that screwed up? This really messed with her, does didn't it? And it's just like, come on. Come on. Show her trying to take the remains back to the ship. You know, show her trying to rescue her whole family. I say rescue, recover her whole family. So, but I still like the idea of her going back to save Dayton. The Xenomorphs, I think they're a little nerfed here. Because, you know, a lot of them, I mean, now, yes, we do see, like, oh, they're, it's implied they are capable of a bloodbath because of all the Wailing Yutani crew getting wiped out. But then we just see Zasha wiping them out like nothing. Like, she kills, like, eight aliens in this issue. And, like, here's the thing. I'll, I'll give her some credit. She is aware of the aliens. She has prior experience. She has studied up on them. And she does have the appropriate firepower. She has weapons. I can let it slide a little. But still, like, that's, I don't know, she was very easily taking them out. And here, here's the thing, she was easily taking them out, but the very first two aliens she came across, she missed them. The only reason she killed them, she was shooting at them. I guess they dodged, or she was just a terrible shot, one of the two. But she managed to hit the roof or the ceiling above them, and all the pipes and stuff came down right on top of them. And, yeah, that's how she managed to get away from the aliens at first. And then she started being like, okay, headshot, 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 kill, kill, kill. And it's just like, I don't know, maybe maybe she just got spooked that first time and that's why she was such a terrible shot, but I, I don't know. But I mean, it. I don't know. I'm really conflicted on that. The Xenomorphs do see a little nerfed here, at least when it comes to Zasha. Every time else, they're really cool, they're really tough, but when it comes to Zasha, I don't know, Zasha, Zasha is a total badass, you know? So yeah, I don't know. Uh, One of the other negatives I do have we do not see the submorphs at all. You know, the new white xenomorphs. They have, we don't see them once in this. 
which is a little odd. I mean, now, I'm not going to complain too much, because I'm not going to say I love the concept of the submorphs, but that's supposed to be the, like, big thing about this series. It's supposed to be the submorphs versus the xenomorphs, so I would expect, you know, two issues in, you'd want to keep continuing that. I'm pretty sure this is a four-issue series from what I heard. You're halfway through the book, and literally, they've only been in it half the time. So, I don't know, hopefully next issue they'll be in it more. I'm sure they will. They, they're going to have to be, but... It just felt very weird they weren't in this issue. So, uh, yeah, we don't really get any progression there. Uh, like I said, the flashback's not exactly clear why it's still here. My only theory is that it's going to be the ship that the Xenomorphs came in on to crash land on LV-695. That's the only logical conclusion I can come to. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's about it. Like I said, 7 out of 10, I think that's a pretty good mark for this issue i think it's still one of the better things that declan shelby has done under the alien so i'm just happy that it's getting a little bit better it's not a book i'd still like highly recommend but it's still you know if, if you like aliens check it out um yeah that's about it thanks for listening guys and happy holidays to y'all i'll talk to y'all later and i'm here with my man gray what up gray how's it going jim are you genki i'm not i am a little we're, we're talking about a book that is kind of fun. It's just kind of, at this point, and we're on the penultimate issue of Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos. It's issue number three. I forgot. I thought that it was a five issue mini. And then when it ends, it's like, oh, it's going to be concluded. It's just four, which is a weird number, but it's okay. It's, it's non offensive and it's kind of fun. I wish that there was more going on with Cap himself, but. What can you do with Cap Wolf? Like, he's got to fight some people, and then somehow they're going to have to find a way to get him back to normal. I mean, it, it's kind of like a, a a story that really can't continue that much longer in the timeline because we don't really have a Cap Wolf all the time. So it's kind of fun, though. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I actually enjoyed this one. Uh, as you say, it's very light, very easy, kind of a fast read, and quite gory at times, Jim. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, I was. And it is funny, like, it's one of those, like, lay of the land things. Like, some of these other books that have been coming out recently aren't the greatest. No. So this one, while we didn't love it when it first started, it's, like, maintained its like You know what I mean? It's maintained that it's pretty decent, and that's fine with me. And like you said, it's fun, but it is gory, and the art is really good. But I'll give you the credits, and we'll get into this quickly. And I do think this will be very quick. It is Capliff and the Howling Commandos, number three, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Carlos Magno, colors by uh, Espen Grutenjern. It's like really trying to, you know, get what me with these pronunciations. Wow. I love that. They've letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I say that probably ended up pronouncing it wrong, but I love the way I pronounce it wrong, I guess. But y- you get into this and you start out. I don't know about you. I miss that this was Russia in 1832. At, at the beginning, and I'm like, oh man, you know, they're there. They're... And then I'm like, what the heck? Because we end up seeing that this lady, Ross, that she's a werewolf. And it's kind of funny. The reason why you kind of get it is the bling at first, because she has that skull <laughs> thing. But then they show her anyway. And I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, you, you find out that way back, you know, 100 some years ago, she was hunted down. As a as a werewolf, as as the wolf woman, I would say, the wolf man, and that really plays into this whole play of her, why she's involved. We we see she's Russian. Why would she be involved with Nazis? 
I think that she's a little misguided And I don't know if she quite understands what the Nazis are about Because at the end of this, she's going to convince Cap to join up with her But she is working for Nazis And if she thinks that Nazis are ever going to be like, oh, wolfmen are fine I think there's problems. Yeah, they might use that. And the whole play is playing up the Hitler's obsession with the occult. But when all things are said and done, I don't know that the Wolfmen are going to be able to just live, you know, in the world with whatever the Nazis would want to do. I don't think they will, Jim. Either. They're not 100% Aryan, Aryan race, yeah, yeah, are they? Exactly. So, yeah. a, a, a Wolfman doesn't really jive, I, I would say. But <laughs> you do end up having that deal. And it's, it's a weird play. Because it does separate her It separates her from the Nazis But she's still a wolf woman And she's still pretty awful Like she still is having But she's persecuted You have that weird play This issue actually does throw in Some things that I didn't think that you'd have Because it has just been very quick Action Mm. Nazis versus Howling Commandos So that does throw that little bit in But She seems to know, and I'll just ask you if it seems weird, too, because everybody is centered on Cap, Cap, Cap. You know, we're going to stop Cap. We're going to take Cap out. Yet the whole thing that Stephanie Phillips started was that Cap wasn't quite there yet. You know what I mean? Remember where Dum Dum was like, ah, go sell more bonds. You know, ah, we like he is just like new on the front. He's new on the scene. Here in the world, like he's more looked at as a joke for with the American side, but yet everybody's already on the Nazi side and and this Ross like centered on Cap, and it feels like a weird misplay. Well, I'd forgotten Jim from the recap. Is like he taken over, hadn't he? Cap from um, Sergeant Nick Fury because he was injured. Nick Fury got injured, then Cap took over. So yeah, yeah. Remember Nick was like, "Hey, Cap's pretty good," but Dum Dum said the only reason that we or even following anything that you say is because Nick said to listen to you. That's they, right. They didn't want it. And it went, it's a weird thing, too. I think that maybe this is one of those weird things, because you always hear it's going to read better in trade. This might not read better, because there are weird things, because Dum Dum and the Howling Commandos, I swear to God, that they're on a repeat deal of, we're going to take you down. We're going to kill you. Like They're always wanting to kill anybody who teams up with them because we end up even having Frankie, the French resistance lady, where he's like, you you better end up being on the up and up, or we're going to kill you. He's always like taking people down and the whole thing with Capwell. But you have some fun here, like I said, you said, and it's gory fun. But after this flashback, which actually did shock me that it went so far back, but it, it me did. too. You yeah. know, and at first, when I read it, I thought, okay, well, we're, this is 1932. And that, I'm like, that wasn't, oh, it was actually 1832. So we end up seeing this. And I like that this whole play looks like it's kind of a PTSD flashback by this Ross witch lady werewolf. Because she's rubbing her, her arm as if she still feels that shot that she took. She's there. And, and just sitting there with skulls and candles like. Not a great look, though we do the like skulls, her. They match her bling, don't they, Jim? Yeah, really. She loves the bling <laughs> skulls. Skull, look yeah. at her. She's got the skull on her head, like a tiara type thing. She also has that classic, like almost like the the chains that are all on her face. She has skulls on her hand, skulls just around. That's the whole thing. And we're at the wolf schnoz, schnoz, and, and you end up having the German officer come in and said, okay, you know, we're looking at the perimeter. 
we got to do this. We uh, end up, let's engage, let's take down full force Captain America. And she says, no, 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 he can't be underestimated. You know, we got to figure out what's going on. What's the she just wants to be able to get to Cap. It seems she Mm. just wants to talk to him to convince him, hey, you should join me again. I brought up the idea that they seem to be real fixated early on Cap, where the America it didn't seem. But she also knows, seems to know a lot about Cap, right? You would think that. How would she ever think Cap's going to join her? I mean, seriously, if you know Cap. Now, she's not aware, and and I wish Stephanie Phillips played it up a little more. I wish that there was a little bit of a hint to this Ross that I don't know what's up with this Cap wolf. Like, he doesn't seem as feral as our werewolves. He sees, because that's the big play when he does show up and he just jumps in amongst Nazis and just starts getting shot. There's explosions. He's howling to the moon. All of that stuff going on. And there is a funny line where the Howling Commandos are there and Dum Dum's like, all right, I think that might be the deal. And because for some reason, Cap went off and said, you'll, you'll know my signal when to, when to come when I engage. One guy's like, I, I don't know if that's the signal. And then Dum Dum goes, really? Like, I'm Dum Dum. What if you, you're an idiot? Because <laughs> there is an explosion. We hear gunfire and a howl. Like, we hear the big howl, don't we, Jim? Yeah, I was getting flashbacks to Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox. and about you? That jump he does there. Look at Cap there. Look at him go. He jumps in and you look, he slam dunking. Uh, I love Teen Wolf with Michael. It's a, a great, lot of people, that's a great when, film. When people talk about werewolf movies, it's like, oh, yeah, I like Teen Wolf. And they're like, really? Like, you're going there? It's like usually, you know, an American werewolf in London or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Uh, they're most just, this is fun, though. Teen, Teen Wolf, Wolf is, is fun. My like this I love Teen yeah. Wolf. So, yeah, so that's a funny line. Hey, I think that might be the signal. So they're going to go in. So they have this plan, and we didn't see it. It's kind of a jump with this Frankie, the French resistance lady, where all of a sudden she's just like, okay, I told you about the entrance, let's go. And Dum Dum like stops for a second and says, Hey, Frankie, Francine, whatever it actually is, you know, you better be on the up and up because I trust you, kind of, but not really. And if you end up being bad, I'm going to take you down. I'm like, All right, Dum Dum, stop. But there's a weird play here where the Nazis do recognize her, but never say why. And then Dum Dum's mm. just like, You son of a god. Like, he's so angry because. When they do get to this wolf nonsense, they open up the door, as Francine said. And when they open up the door, there's that German officer and tons of wolfmen. Like, that that's the big play. And, and That's it. Jim, what this reminds you of, this reminded me of um, George Lucas man. messing around with the original Star Wars. You know that scene where you got all with the, the stormtroopers? Storm yeah, 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 that's what it looks like. And there's too many werewolves here. I, I'm Way just saying. Many. You know what I mean? Like, you it's go a in. Army. And yeah, and it is. It's weird too that where you have what's the cool the coolest thing about Cap Wolf, I think, in this and his look is he still has his cap stuff. It's it's yeah, all torn, right? It's cool. I wish that these and we I guess I've seen it before in some manga and even some uh anime and some regular stuff, like werewolves in the Nazi uniforms. I think that that's I think they should have been still that in the, been the uniforms. Cool. I think that would have really cool. made it like you said when you're saying it's an army. I think it would have played out. It looked, it would yeah. have looked really cool, especially with the Nazi officer there in the middle, just yelling and says, "Oh, Francine, welcome back!" And like, oh god, like she, she, but she says to Dum Dum in a weird play where she's like, "I mean, 
there's not going to be a lot of time to whisper any sweet nothings here. You're being attacked by werewolves. I mean, a ton of them, too. But she's like, I'm not really bad, like she says to Dum Dum. I think Dum Dum's like, right now I'm worried more about werewolves. So let's take that. But you get then, and very quick, again, in, in a play, if you're going to, if you're looking for an intricate story that's going to blow your mind, this isn't going to be it. I mean, you do end up where you have this Ross, the lady witch werewolf. She says, I want to check out Cap and see what's going on. And then she just does. You know what I mean? There's not much to it when they but because Stephanie Phillips seems to want to just have this play where she starts talking to Cap about she's trying to play the game of, you know, Cap is for. You know, he's there to stand up for people who are persecuted. He's there to to help the downtrodden. And she wants to play herself as that. So she comes in. I do like that right away. Kapluff's like, what's up with the bling lady? Like, you're not really playing. She's going to try to convince him that together we can rule the world. That's not going to work for Cap. We know this. But it's that werewolf angle. But she also ends up having that crazy skull. Tierra that Cap's like thrown off by. It's like I I don't know about that, but she says, uh, you know, I in my homeland Russia because he recognizes you're Russian. Why are you working with the Germans? Which is weird because the Russians are on the other side. But she says, no, no, I'm more werewolf. I'm more of that, and really plays off the idea of you know Russian. They're the ones who tried to kill me. I really don't have. She was hunted. Yeah, yeah, I was hunted by Russians. So why would I help them? I'm here to do my own thing as if her and Cap are going to go up like, I'm telling you, you could get into the idea that she's like, we'll be Adam and Eve for this werewolf thing. She wants to team up with him, doesn't she, Jim? She's got a thing for him. Look at that hand on the chest there. That's what I'm saying. I'm telling you, I think that what she really, the angle might be, I don't know what type of girl Cap is into, but the big play could be and should be. I'm guessing that she wants to start, you know, Knocking boots here and starting a whole nation of wolfmen. And yeah. so she says, me and you, and, and she's very interested in that he still has his mind to him. She yeah, seems to cool. kind of yeah. as well, like in a weird play, that she seems to be, you know, a step up of the werewolf. Maybe it's the play of like, I don't know how it would be that she's old school werewolf, so she could do but she says, you know, we know that it's the super soldier serum, but she says it's pretty crazy that you maintain your yourself in the and have the physical form of the werewolf. But she's right at one point. She tries to convince him of all this, and he says, you're not going to be able to convince me of anything, even a cure. I don't care. You're bad. You have a skull on your head. And then also she's you find out, or he finds out, too, that she is a werewolf as well. But you know, he says, I, you want revenge. I'm not into that. I'm going to figure this out and do what I have to do, but I'm not teaming up with you. I never would. And she's like, all right, well, I tried to give you the sympathetic deal. Kind of took me out of it a little bit. Like that moment where he says, like, you know, what's this on your head? Is this a skull? And it's that moment where she goes very well and she just like kind of turns, you know, turns tables on him and whistles the werewolf Yeah, army. it is weird. Why? Like that's the big play. That? Like, I didn't well, get Cap, that. Cap doesn't like the bling. He's, it's so funny. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I can't wear that skull thing. It would cover up my A here on my That's head. True. I can't do that. So it is funny. And I don't know why this made me giggle, but I never, this is so weird. I never thought that the ancient Russian witch lady werewolf would then whistle 
like like she's some cabbie from the it's a weird play like that whole crazy where you put your she's trying to get a cab in new york yeah. yeah it's like a weird weird thing for her to see it but it looks great it does also, look good. again i think why are they it's weird because the art even it's really it is pushing the bling it's really pushing that that thing and almost as if that would have been like a hydra symbol or you know a swastika obviously in that thing but he's really like kept saying it really centering on that as if we should know oh that's what that means i just think it must mean she's bad to the bone <laughs> she ends oh, up yeah. whistling all the werewolves come to attack cap and you have all this play where yeah they, they saw the play of them really digging into cap as the other werewolves are surrounding the helen commandos and the other play though you have that german you know general soldier that that officer and he's like, oh, man, I expected more from the infamous Howling Commandos, causing a distraction, sticking in the back. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I have a feeling that guy might be in trouble, too. I am waiting for them to eat him as well. Yeah. But they don't know what to do. They're surrounded. And that's where you end up having a little bit of a weird dialogue, because that's when Dum Dums and Dum Dum and Frankie are whispering. And the German officer suddenly becomes like a second grade school teacher and goes, Hey, if you get a, you have something to share with the crowd. Like, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, you want to share it with everybody? It's such a weird scene, Jim. What a it? weird yeah. scene where you're surrounded <laughs> by werewolves. Like, the idea, I wish Dum Dum was like, Yeah, it's not really a werewolf thing. I don't think you guys would get it. But yeah, Frankie's like, Okay, I'll share and throws a grenade. And you're like, oh, crap, like it's going to blow, blow up, like, you know, everybody maybe. But she ends up throwing that as you end up where Cap, he's just, again, he's fighting all those werewolves. And then you do get that switch where you have Ross, the lady, she turns into her werewolf. And here's the reason. Here's the thing. You need to have the bling. Because that's the only way that you could differentiate her from the horde of werewolves that are surrounding Cap. So she's there with Bling. She's the Bling werewolf. And everybody else is just regular wolfmen. So you have that play that they're going at each other. Stephanie Phillips keeps doing this where we want to have that big deal. And it's always at the end. So we'll have to wait for the next issue. But okay, you get that fight at the end. And then just because it's the Hell and Commandos, finally... Nick Fury's like, what? Because somehow they say they are going to send him off to another troop. Like, this is Nick Fury. The Howard Commandos are his thing. And he's like, oh, crap. You're not sending me anywhere else. And all these nurses are there. They're like, oh, my God. And then this one nurse says, you know, hey, I'm not going to tell you this, but I will tell you this. It's the idea that there's this little bit of time where the guards are not really there. They're switching shifts and he could get out. So Nick Fury is going to join in and I'm sure save Cap and all of them in a way. That'll be pretty cool. That'll be the last issue just so you can get Nick Fury to fight with the Helen Commandos. But it's okay. You end up with cool art. It's very dark, the book, too. So when you go through it, it's it's kind of that dark palette. Everything's in shadows, but it has to be because they're, they're werewolves and you have the whole full moon and stuff going. But what would you give this? 
Um, yeah, just checking the artist. So it's Carlos, isn't it? Carlos Magno. Yeah, tell you what, yeah. he does a really good job. And this, I think that's what gives it an extra point for me, Joe. I was going to give it a six, but I'm a seven, seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm going to go seven just for the heck of it. It's, it's fun. It's fun, isn't it? It's it's easy, throwaway fun. But yeah, I like the werewolf action in it. I tell you what, he can draw a really good werewolf, can't he? Yeah, he also draws really good bling. I'm looking at the one <laughs> one does. deal. When you end up having Cap say, seriously, what's on your head? Is that a skull? And she's like, very well. It looks really good. I think he's jealous. He's like, where's my bling? You know, I yeah, want some bling like, too. Yeah, really. And he's like, I don't really like skulls. Do I have to have a skull? Can I have something else? I just want bling. <laughs> he wants some stars. And why, like you said, it's so weird that that's the line. He doesn't say no, really. It's like, just seriously, what's on your yeah, head? Yeah, I'll never join you. It's like, no. Yeah, that's, that's the play. If you diss her bling, you're out. You, you're you out. can't be that's in the it. group. You know, that's their whole thing. I mean, seriously, he's saying that. Like, she's got crap all over. Like, it's not just the skull on her head. She's got like 80 other skulls. She's got weird earrings. He's real down with these. Could be a new trend, could it, Jim? Is it werewolf bling? Yeah, I was waiting for that play. Like at first, I did think she had one of those like nose rings with the chain on it, but it's more connected to the the hat deal. The you know the the thing, the kind That's of mess. That's right. So, but with that, I'm going to go seven as well. I I liked it. I I thought it was fun. It's what it is. It's like a a popcorn movie, Wolfman yeah, exactly. versus yeah. deal. So you just have fun with it. It's not taking the concept that seriously or that much of cap wolf but you do get them we're still waiting to see how it works out if they end up where because you would think you're just going to get this uh you know a serum you know vaccine type deal but i just have a weird play that it's going to be oh look the super soldier serum it burned it out of your system it only took a couple of days or nights. So we get, I hope that that's I not. I wonder it, how it will play out. And we're told you next issue is the fight of a lifetime. There you go. Looking forward to that. There we go. We'll have the big fight. So we'll see that. But that is that. Uh, and that's the end of the podcast. But I have you here so we could go through what we will talk about next week. And usually the the break with between you know the holidays between Christmas or whatever holiday season and the New Year's, they don't put a lot of comics out now. I, usually it's weird because if if you have the, the holidays close to New Comic Book Day, that's when it usually is the idea of, well, people won't be out and about or whatnot. But because you have Monday and then the Tuesday, Wednesday, yes, they're like full bore because both companies have a lot of comics coming out and some number ones because this is what is on the docket for next week. Me and you, Gray, will be talking about Predator versus Wolverine number four. And also Carnage number two. And then even, look, we have a full thing. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu Gangwa, number one. You are a Shang-Chi fan. I'm excited for that, Jim. I'm, I'm optimistic. It might be good. So we'll jump in with that. But we also have Avengers Inc., number four of five now. Me and Jason have been talking about that. And we keep wondering who the book was for. I guess nobody because they end up, I like how they end up. It's not canceled. They're just making it a five-issue mini now. And it was weird. The concept of that felt like a mini. The storytelling did not. There's no way you can convince me that that was a mini from the get-go. Because they are really dragging. It's weird. It's a weird, like, quirky title that really hasn't gotten much going yet. The big thing was to bring back Hank Pym. Like, that seemed like the big play by the end. And he's kind of the the in-the-shadows kind of Mm. villain deal doing 
but we really didn't get much. So I'm assuming that, uh, you know, Al Ewing's going to have to drop his quirky little mysteries and get to the main thing for these last two issues because that's weird. We have Spider-Woman number two, me and Zach will be talking about. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 14, another gang war tie-in that me and Matt will be dealing with. Marvel superheroes Secret Wars Battle World number two. Crazy title, and we didn't love that, but yeah, (laughs) me and Matt will be doing that. And then Captain Marvel number three with Zach will round it out. And then I do have listed Timeless number one, the Jeb McKay story that is now going to be done by the Lansing and Kelly. I wasn't a fan of the original Timeless stuff. That is seeping real heavily into the Avengers stuff, which I'm not enjoying either. But I'm not a big fan of Lansing and Kelly either. So that's kind of a, a no-no for me. So I'm going to see if maybe Jason and Ruben would want to talk about that. I know Ruben was deep diving and likes the timeless stuff so far. So you get a lot of Kang stuff and things like that. So maybe that will be of interest to some people. And it's a number one. So I'll try to get them to do it. But that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for joining me once again, Gray, through this. We talked a Thank little you. longer than I thought. But it's because we kind of we're having fun with it it's a yeah, fun book will. so check that out and there's a couple books that were okay this week maybe so check some of those out there's always something good to read but check those out and we'll talk to you next week you are all weirdos weird science is the revolution weird science is the revolution